Good evening. Today is Tuesday, November 30th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the Appendix to Spiritual Experience, and our speaker tonight is Arlene. Thank you, Arlene. Thanks so much, Kira. Hi, everybody. My name is Arlene. I'm a compulsive overeater. Oh, my. What a few days this has been. Um, and I think when I think about spiritual experience, I actually looked up the definition from a dictionary and it said it goes beyond human understanding of how this could have happened in the first place. And it's a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And from being obsessed with food, I have to say that is pretty freaking miraculous. So I'll take a few minutes and let you know all about change. Cause for me, the spiritual experience is all about change and transformation. I mean, there's these two paragraphs in the big book that speak about the great fact is just this on page 25 and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life. So revolution you know, it's like a complete overtaking. It's just a complete transformation. And so now we'll go back to when I first came in and how different I am. I don't could never have gone through these last few days with all these um, challenges at meetings without uh, freaking out and yelling and screaming and just getting completely flustered. And instead, I feel like I just keep playing this game of whack-a-mole. You know, one comes on, okay, mute, remove. You know, we just keep hitting them until they're gone. So, and how does that happen? Clearly not me. God knows I've read enough books, therapy, whatever it took. Plus I'd probably have my face dead in gallons of ice cream day after day after day. So for anyone who doesn't know me, I came in when I was in college, which is a really, really long time ago. And I had um, 16 years of um, somewhat of an abstinence following a food plan. Wait, what, Michelle? There's feedback? I'm sorry, I think it's your second earphone on the table picking up some noise. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, can you all hear me okay? Oh, okay. Um, so I worked a food plan and I worked the tools. And I would go to some big book and step meetings, but I don't know that it wasn't sinking in. I didn't really understand, except that for some miraculous reason, I stopped eating ice cream and I stopped binging. Um, and I probably lost about 60 pounds and I've kept that off all these years. And then um, I was also a competitive athlete when I was a kid. So that really kept me from being grossly obese. But here I went to a, a giant university and they would make me run up and down the, the stadium steps every day after practice. And all I did afterwards was just binge my brains out. I would sit at the football team's training table with them and go plate for plate with them. Um, you know, all my food log and all of that, I feel like I'd rather talk about 
what the spiritual experience has done for me rather than talk about my past because we all have them. You know, I came from a fairly dysfunctional family, but we also sort of got through it. I, um, for some reason, always had a very successful career. I'll never understand how that happened, but I'm always really grateful for that. Knowing my daughter was born and um, a few years old, well, more than that, she may be eight years old. I took a bunch of her friends to the movies and one of her friends had M&M peanuts and she literally said, oh, why don't you have one? And my immediate thought was, oh, it's protein, just surrounded by a little bit of sweet. And that is what started me down a slide for several years. But this past August, I celebrated 20 years of abstinence. And, um, but my, what I call emotional and spiritual recovery really was transformed a number of years ago when I started going to a, a telephone big book meeting every day. And for the first time in my life, I took the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. And I put on a new pair of glasses and I was able to see and hear and really hear and listen to what the big book, what the words were. Um, the other thing that I wanted to also say about my past is there are a lot of days where it's been, I look back and I feel a lot of sadness or regret, wish things were different. But I also now know that wherever I am is where I'm supposed to be. And that everything I went through, and I've gone through some really tough stuff. And I've had a lot of death in my life. Um, and not just my parents, my best friend um, a few years ago, and I'm still not over it. And um, other people that were so young, it was just a lot of tragedy and really not her because by then I was out. I don't even know how I abstained through it. And I abstained through both my parents' deaths and like Shiva with all the food. And it's just, this is what I say, a spiritual experience. Now, when there's so much food or when I'm cooking all day, the last thing I want to do is eat it. And it used to be, I couldn't wait till everybody left. And I'm telling you, I would make like double the amount so I could clean out the kitchen in my stomach. Um, and everyone would leave, just leave me alone. I'll clean it up. And I would just shovel it in. I mean, that is just a huge uh, transformation in my brain. Um, so on page 27, it also talks about the vital spiritual experience. In this one paragraph, it talks about change seven times. So it really is about complete change from these phenomena, the rearrangement. My ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate me. In fact, this is what happened to me. And what's even more ironic, and is it odd or is it God? Today, I actually read these pages with one of my sponsees. This is before I had any idea I was gonna volunteer to speak or anything. 
I mean, there's just no coincidence with that. Um, so now actually on to the spiritual experience. It talks about, again, all these changes and upheavals and personality changes. It's overwhelming. You know, the way I feel today is completely different than how I felt, I don't know, I'll say 20 years ago, but honestly, it was even less than that eight years ago. I might have abstained physically, but a lot of times it felt like I, um, I had freedom from food, but there were times that I would look around, you know, or sometimes I could even smell stuff, which is so sick when I think about it now. Like I can't eat it, but I'll smell it. Um, but that was part of my disease. So when I think about these spiritual experiences, and I think about how, for me, I call my higher power, God has rewired my brain, but also my heart. I look at people very differently than I used to. I came from a very, very judgmental family and gossip was a big issue for me. And, you know, I don't do that anymore. It's not who, um, I don't like that. I used to feel like when I was as the boss, I had a gossip with everyone. So that would make me feel a part of then I realize I'm not supposed to be. Now I understand, I understood that expression, it's lonely at the top because you don't have these colleagues that you can really talk and share about what you'd really like to say because it's really, it's inappropriate from a professional standpoint. So I also wanna say that I do a lot of service in this program and in 40 years, and I did leave meetings for, a few years because I felt it was more like group therapy. Like it still blows me away when people are in meetings and you can't talk about food. It's like, are you kidding me? This is why we're here because we have problems with food. Like how do you not be able to talk about it? Um, but some meetings are like that. So either I don't go. It's early. Oh, that's time? Oh, wow. no, you know, that was 10. Oh, 10. oh my God, that was fast. <laughs> um, so, but like for me, so I moved out to LA just about two years ago. And so during that time, of course, six months in, we go under lockdown. And I'm one of the few that is enormously and eternally grateful for Zoom because Number one, we get to connect with people all over the world and carry the message in a way that we could never have done without it. Um, I lost my job during COVID um, and I was out of work for about six months, first time in my entire life. And you know what? I sponsored eight people, eight women. I've never done that in my life, maybe one once in a while too, but it was a lot. And I always felt it was a burden. And now it's an honor and I cherish it. And pretty much my priorities are about those calls. And I sponsor reading the big book because that's how I recovered. I really had to set aside all, all of my old ideas. Again, that's a change, a complete 
transformation on how I used to live and think. I mean, there are many times where I do think my way is right, but then, you know, someone will say, what about this? And I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. But being that flexible, that was not my, um, my old personality. I was really stubborn and stubborn can help, can be helpful in some ways too, but not when it came to this program. I really had to listen and be open to other people's ideas, people that walked the path before me and showed me a different way of living and loving and liking. Um, you know, I always say there's a part in the book that says restraint of pen and tongue. And I add facial expressions because, man, I can give a mean eye roll like anybody's business. And I don't want to do that. You know, I also embrace my sensitivity. And that's a change, too, for me. Because I always say I wanted to have Teflon shoulders. But I have Velcro. Everything sticks to me. You know, someone looks at me the wrong way. I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? That I always think it's about me. That self-centeredness is used to be an, a real problem for me that like I would not go out. I wouldn't go to places. I wouldn't go to events for how I looked or oh, it was just really sad how I lived my life for so many years in a very small but very self-centered, self-focused way. Um, I will say that I'm really grateful. So I have a daughter and she doesn't really know me any other way, but in recovery um, or certainly in a way now she sees an even bigger change. And I have a lot of issues with her husband, but you know what? I save it for meetings. I save it for fellows. I don't need to tell her what I think because who am I to judge? First of all, I've been married and divorced twice. Clearly that didn't work. And I don't know much about a great relationship. I did have one and then it ended in a very sad way. But um, but we're all different. And like I know for me that I have a wall up when it comes to relationships with from uh, romantic relationships right now. Maybe it'll happen, likely it won't. But the peace that I have right now you can't put either a dollar or anything about that, that I'm most of the time, I'm really okay. And why? I have no idea. But it's because I've had this change and I keep changing all the time. I keep listening to what other people say. And sometimes I do what they do because the way I did it, it clearly didn't work for me. So I'm open to a new idea. Um, so right before this meeting, I had what was supposed to be a 30 minute, um, sort of interview, but I knew I was going to get some kind of a job offer. And it turned out to be an hour and a half call. This woman really likes to chat. And, um, you know, at the end, she's like, put anything and everything in writing that you want. Who says that? Like, that's just sort of unheard of, but I remained really humble. And I said, well, what about this? What about that? And she's like, well, put it in and we'll see. You know, we really want to make this work. So we're going to do 
whatever we can. And I'm still a little bit in shock over it because it's that old line of if someone wants me to be like a member of the club, why do I want to join that club? But this is a place where I, I can really make a difference in the world with this. And I don't have that many more big opportunities, I don't think, you know, given my age. And um, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to put the offer together, see what happens. And everything now, I get to turn it over and like, okay, I take the action and whatever happens, because now I know I'm not in charge. I'm a Leo. My birthday's in August, so I always think I'm supposed to control and rule the world. I gave that up a long time ago. I, um, you know, I stay open. And the other thing, I don't know how much time I have left, but I want to talk about honesty because that's a big part. There's a big, um, towards the end of the spiritual experience, it says, most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. And I was dishonest. I could say sort of honest, sort of like abstinish, but, um, but the truth is, you know, I would say I had potatoes, but didn't bother to say that it was either an order of French fries or potato chips. I fought weighing and measuring food for a long time. I hated it. I did it in the beginning and then I stopped for years, but you know what? Every time I do that, I feel better about myself. And at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I've been carrying around an extra, I don't know, I'm going to say 15 pounds. I don't really go on the scale because it's very triggering for me. I think unless it was my birth weight, it would never be good enough. So I just pretty much stay off. And um, you know, I can tell by my clothes or whatever, but when I am honest and it's 4.0 and not 4.1, just as freeing. I mean, and what is that? That's definitely a transformation for me for thinking that I think that's okay. I never thought it was necessary. Two minutes, Arlene. Thanks. So that, um, you know, in anything in the big book, that's italicized is really important. And also I have to say this because I haven't spoken here in a long time. One of the first words in the big book is we, and that W is ginormous, it's bold and italicized because it is about we. But when I came in, you could turn that letter upside down because it was all about me. And I just don't live like that anymore. I. I live to serve. I do, besides sponsoring people, I'm on the LA Intergroup board and I work on the birthday party and people, I'm secretary at meetings, whether it's in LA or in the San Fernando Valley. Why? It makes me feel good because I'm giving to others. And that's, that's new for me. I never... I always wanted it, you know, my favorite song was me, 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 I, 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 and now it's we, 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 it's much more fun. I like to be a part of a gang. Well, you know what I mean, 
our gang. <laughs> you know, I always say when meetings are in circles, I love that because I'm one of, I'm not in the middle, which is how I used to be because I always thought I was going to be the star tennis player. Then I got to college and found out I wasn't that good. But I didn't want to be an outsider either. I don't want to be outside the circle either. I want to be in that middle of the herd, as my sponsor always says. And because um, being a part of is so much better than being apart from. It is the greatest feeling to feel a member of this team. And I'm really, really grateful. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the nods or the smiles. I need that. I need that love. And you give it to me and I give it right back to you. So thanks so much. And I can't wait to hear from all of you. Thank you so much, Arlene. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As, <clears throat> as this is a big book study, sharing questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call on you and unmute you in that order. Would the timekeeper please keep, please set a time for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Who would like to share first? Amy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Kira. Amy B. Grateful, compulsive overeater living in a recovered state today. Thank you so much, Arlene, for your share tonight. I actually have a question since we're on appendix to spiritual experience. Um, would you talk about the evolution of if there was one of your higher power or, or um, how you um, engage with your concept of a higher power? Thank you. Sure thing. So thanks for the question. So the second part is easier first. So when I wake up, the minute I open my eyes, I invite God in and ask that power source to spend the day with me, to walk with me, sit with me, help me prepare my meals, um, help me with my serenity. I generally listen to on awakening, keep my eyes closed and really pay attention and not just do it by rote. Um, I learned how to meditate in this program. And especially during the pandemic, I actually lead a meditation meeting three mornings a week. Um, and I always invite God in when I'm struggling I do these letters. Um, I write a dear God in a certain color ink. I wait a little while. And then I write a letter back from my higher power to me in a different color ink. And that letter is always much kinder than the first one. Um, my evolution. I think when I became completely willing and just surrendered my, my way, you know, a, a while back, I was the speaker at a meeting and I started off with some theme songs 
like to explain my life. Like I said, my road to recovery was like this long and winding road, but that it really I, it was all about my way. But that's how it was. And then all of a sudden when I, I got that my way isn't the right way most of the time. But I try to picture myself a lot on a surfboard and go with the wave. And that's when I know I'm with my higher power. So when it's smooth, when it's easy, I know we're in sync. But I also never forget that we're in this partnership and this relationship and relationships take work. But I never, ever forget that I'm the junior partner. Um, does that help answer your question a little bit? Thank you, Amy and Arlene. Next up is Lita. Oh, one more time, Lita. I'm Lita, compulsive overeater, take two. Thank you everyone for being able to put this meeting together. And Arlene, thank you so much for your share. Um, hearing about the amount of change in everything that's transpired in your world and program has really impacted me because I see myself as changing in many ways. And I'm wondering at what point, if there were any specific things that transpired or different like indicators that took place where you thought to yourself, yeah, this is a change. You know, this is a definite change. If there were things that sort of triggered it or inspired it or anything like that. Slightly related to Amy's evolution question, but not quite the same. So when certain instance, instances happened in my life, I, um, so here's a, I mean, this is sort of an emotional example, but I'm just going to tell you guys anyway. So when I was born, I was born on the stroke of midnight and they actually asked my dad which day uh, he wanted on the birth certificate. So he picked the next day because I wasn't really alive the day, you know, the day before. And when my dad died, the night that he died, I got a phone call from the place and I had just been there with them. And they're like, I'm sorry to say your dad passed. And I remember like it was because just his anniversary. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, the doctor said the same thing. Like they just couldn't believe it. And then they said that he died at the stroke of midnight. And which date did I want it on the death certificate? But what's even more amazing is that the day Midnight 1201 is my daughter's birthday. So I made it the day before because that's when he passed. I mean, it was just like, that was a moment that I remember looking at God and going like, what? Are you kidding me? But, um, so that was profound and really touching. Um, I would say others were certain relationships both one with a boss and one with um, a man. And I used to just settle for crumbs. And I decided 
I'm worth the whole loaf, even though I don't eat a loaf of bread anymore. I'm certainly worth it. And that was, that was definitely God because the man, he was a super, I don't know, famous, successful, big time college coach. And, you know, I was like a celebrity's girlfriend or, you know, whatever was going to happen. And I'm like, I deserve more than this. You'll always be married to the basketball, even though it's going to be me. I'm like, no. But again, I just knew that that was God. And my recovery from that relationship wasn't nearly as bad because I had the big book. I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Lita. Thanks so much, Arlene. Next up is Anne L. Sorry, trying to unmute from the wrong place. <laughs> My name is Anne, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thanks everyone for doing service and thank you. Oh, there you are. Everybody keeps moving around. Thank you, Arlene, for your share. Um, I, I have to admit that I don't see, I mean, I don't personally see the changes in me, but my sponsor does. So I am willing to accept that she sees changes. Um, you know, I mean, I, I related to some of the things that you said when you were sharing. I wasn't willing to um, admit all the things to my sponsor that I came in when I first came until I'd been in for about a week and a half, maybe, maybe two weeks. And then I said, oh, well, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be eating this and I shouldn't be eating that and I shouldn't be eating that. But you know what? I knew those things when I first came in. I just wasn't ready to really give them up right when I showed up at the first meeting here. And, um, and you know, I came um, in the late Late, very late 80s or early 90s. I have no idea what year it was. And there was no big book at the meeting that I went to. So for me, the big book is a tremendous gift that um, when I came, I went, oh my goodness. Because for me to give up the things that I needed to give up back then, I could not do that. It was literally impossible for me, even though I stayed for a couple of years and I tried it, I couldn't do it. And um, so for me, the big book has been the biggest gift um, for me to see that, that it was possible, that there, there was a way I could do this, that all I had to do was to let this source of energy was how I first heard somebody share at a meeting, um, this source of energy come into my life and it's kind of evolved now to be um, not a source of energy, but um, the God of my understanding. And um, for me, that's been a great thing to, um, to get a hold of and to be back from a six-day vacation and to stay abstinent through that vacation um, and, and fly on a plane and the whole thing. So for me, that was a miracle in my life for me to do that with the help of my sponsor and talking to um, another person about how, excuse me, how do you do this when you fly, you know, and to listen to other people and not assume that I had the knowledge to handle it because all along on my life, I've run on an awful lot of self-will. So 
for me to learn how to put the self-will down. I'm grateful for that. And that's really all I have to share. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Anne. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording.